Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about the milestone that exists for a $5 million store and getting to $10 million. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hello, Mark. I'm very good. Nice to hear your voice. Nice to hear your voice. It's... um, yeah, well, we're going to do a podcast on um, getting from 5 million to 10, 10 million plus. And we've done podcasts on, I think we've done ones on, you know, getting to the first million. And then we've done ones on getting from 1 million to 5 million. And so now we want to talk a little bit more about enterprise because some of our biggest projects and our biggest clients are kind of in, in that bracket. Well, some people have actually gone way past it, but I think there's that um, there's that milestone. Getting from five million to ten million is quite a big milestone because it it, it it's a change in um, well a change in model slightly and and how you would run it as a team and how you think about it. So yeah. I think the 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 milestones as we kind of know it, we've talked about you know, getting your first you know five hundred thousand a year is 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 the first kind of milestone, and then getting to a million and then getting to 5 million then getting to 10 and then getting to you know where you want to go so we're going to dive into this and uh we're going to be talking we're working with a few clients who are kind of at this level and some of the struggles that they've been going through and we're going to talk about that so do you want to do you want to lead us off a little bit on that ian yeah yeah that's right yeah this is this is this is just a general a general chat about it because we've got a few clients in that space right now and i think the first thing is to say that they've off these particular clients they've hit a glass ceiling actually and the glass mm. ceiling is that they can't recruit any new customers profitably anymore you know they've, they've sort of maxed they've maxed the target sheet out so that the you know the return on ad spend is is at the it's point where yeah, it's yeah it, that that's yeah. the limit. The limit is that they can't pull the traffic lever any harder because if they do that, it's going to be it's it's just going to be too too unprofitable to pull it you know harder. Yeah, and it's not going to be made up by you know a good lifetime customer value. So that that that's the first thing, of course, is well looking at the target sheet. You know, and I think the, the, these I've got, I've got two clients right now. And they both need to, to get 25% more revenue out of the same spend in yeah. a nutshell. And if you look at the target sheet, you look at the KPIs, you know, what have you got? You've got conversion rate, average order value, and lifetime customer value. You know, that's what you can play with. Yeah. Because you've obviously got, so they've got, you know, they've got a good, decent number of traffic coming through. Their conversion rate is about 2.2%. Average order value is about 80 pounds. And lighter customer value is about 
twice a year. Yeah. And so, that, but they're they're stuck. They're stuck because their margins aren't that good. Um, the lifetime customer value isn't amazing, and so they're stuck because they just can't pull the travelly very harder. Mm. So, I think so that that's that's generally what can happen. And I I, I remember quite a few times in the past businesses have come and said we've been stuck at five million for the last two years you yeah. just can't get past it that's our sort of natural hurdle it's and it tends to be a case of looking at the the target sheet the maths and saying well you know well your average order value is too low you know well, it's so getting that overall it's getting that overall plan so you know as you get bigger the, the fundamentals don't change it's not like you get to five million and you throw away your kpis and you come in with a new setup it's still the same KPIs, yeah. but the first thing to do is to kind of get that, you know, the the, the the holy grail of the whole company working around the same thing. It's like, yeah, we need to get 25% up. So we're going to get 10% up from average order value. We're going to get 5% up from the add to basket and we're going to get 5% yeah. from the basket to order. And then we're going to find 5% from, you know, repeat business yeah. or something like that. So, well, that's exactly, you know, that's exactly, just to put it in, I'll just finish my little summary. That's yeah. exactly right. That the target sheets that you that everyone, if anyone's heard us talk about e-commerce, they'll have heard us talk about the target sheet. It's like the first thing we start with, and because it, it just shows, okay, this is where the business is right now. These are the maths of the business now. You know, the business is doing five million. You know, this is what it looks like. And if you want to get to ten million, what do the maths need to look like? Yeah. You know, and you you then you say, well, you know, what are the maths of a ten million pound version of our company look like? You know, what's going to have to change, because you can't keep on pulling the traffic lever. Because if we do that, if we rely only on traffic, it's gonna it's you're gonna hit that glass ceiling because it be you know you, your conversion rate isn't going to be good enough, your average order value isn't going to be good enough, and you end up just your your return on ad spend just dips below. So you're right. It, it shows you where it's going to come from, that 10% from average order value, it's, 10% from conversion rate. Yeah, Go on. and it's also, it's also like as we get bigger businesses and as we've run bigger businesses, and the same things happen to you and, you and me, as we think that the business is bigger, we start thinking the business is more complex and therefore we start looking for more complex solutions to our problems. And actually what we want to be doing is looking for the inherent simplicity inside the business and actually look for the simple solutions because yeah. often they're there. And because we're in this chaotic kind of like, oh, we're doing 5 million, there's so many things happening. We start looking for complex solutions. Whereas actually often they're very simple solutions. And you kind of, one of the best questions I ask myself is what, if it was simple, what would the answer be? And that's such a beautiful yeah. question to ask. Because then it kind of goes, you look for the quick wins, which are, which are usually there. It's just that you, because you're in this chaos and of this kind of like, oh, there's so many things going on, yeah. that you've, almost your brain kind of goes, oh, it can't be simple. I have to have yeah. a complex solution. And so therefore, you, you, you look at these companies, you come into these companies, and they've got all these kind of huge complex like projects going on that's doing that. And they're missing the, the obvious ones. It's like, yeah. why aren't you doing this? Yeah. And so I think and, that's, and the, that's the first, it is. The first and, step. Yeah, and you know, the, the, the longer term, you know, picture, I mean, this, the, the example I'm going to say, they want to they get to 10, but then they also want to push further than that. They want, they want to actually get to 50 eventually, Yeah. 50 million. Now, the long term answer to getting to 10 million and then 50 million is that they've got to fundamentally be able to buy traffic 
increasingly buy traffic more profitably. So the only way they're going to do that is by, in the long term, is changing the KPIs. So that to, to increasing the lifetime customer value, increasing the margin, getting better average order value. So, yeah. so the longer term is they have to fundamentally change those maths of the business to do it. Yeah. And in the, but then in the short term, like what's right in front of you now is the current advertising budget. Yeah. And that's what's right in front of them. So this particular client, they're doing five million. On average, they're spending about £40,000 a month. Is that about right? Something like that? About 40 k was it? Yeah. A month? Something like that. So the first thing is to say, well... Oh, no, this one's about... doing... This one's doing, no, they're doing about they're doing about hundred thousand. They're spending no, about hundred thousand. They, well, that, that, yeah, but that's that. They're doing eighteen million. Oh, okay. So I've got two. Yeah. We've got oh, two. Okay. So yeah, the, the eighteen million is spending about a hundred thousand pounds a month, and the five million one's doing about four forty thousand okay. pounds. Okay. So the first thing is to look at that spend, and to say, well, you know, where what can we do with that? You know, where can we move it around? And there's two main channels this business was using. They were doing affiliates and they were doing Google Google Shopping yeah, and a bit of text ads. So the first thing was looking at the affiliates and we were saying, well, is that just clipping the ticket, which is where it's just a coupon site and people would have bought anyway. Mm. And I think they were spending it was about £12,000 a month on affiliate yeah. commissions. It was quite big. So that's the first thing we said. Well, let's have a look at that. And it, and it turned out to be about half was probably money for nothing, i.e. They, they would have got the sale anyway. So we've yeah. saved some money there. to put to, to we, So that's that £6,000 affiliate. And then the other side of it, from the Google perspective, what we've said was that you know, if you're thinking about your Google shopping and your, your budget for Google, you know, one of the biggest things that you can decide on is whether or not you want to recruit in that space or not. Do you want to bid on those products or not? Hmm. Like, and I know you'll go into loads of detail about Google Shopping, but I always think the most fundamental one is: Do you want to be there? You know, so if you're spending, you know, say thirty thousand pounds a month on Google Shopping, you know, and you've got all your all your product, this particular both these businesses had every single product in their shopping feed every single one yeah. and the first question is do you want to spend money bidding on every single product equally yeah or do you want to pull some of them out and and if you overlay the lifetime customer value on top of it so you say if somebody buys this table lamp versus somebody buys this chair on their first purchase what's their subsequent spend over the next 12 months yeah because if you if you don't do that all you're looking at is that initial sale that that the initial one time only yeah so you're, you're moving a focus you're moving the focus to much more think about the long-term value of a customer over the short-term value because yeah, so if you take if you, you know, take the thirty thousand pound budget and you're spending it on products that if someone if someone buys the chair, they might only buy once a year. If someone who buys a table lamp, yeah. let's say they might buy four times a year of different things. But yeah. on the face so, value, you're spending the same amount of money bidding on the chair as you are on the table lamp. 
But if you could see that the person that buy the table lamp buy five, four to five times a year, you know, and they, it obviously makes sense to spend more money on the products that give a better life than customer value, doesn't yeah. it? And the reason we dive into that when we're doing five million is because we've got the data for that. A lot yeah. of, you know, if, it, 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 you know, if you're only doing £500,000 a year or $5,000 a year, I keep saying pounds, even though we work with people all over the world, just because of you. Because we're English. Pounds. Because you say pounds, because you uh, most of my clients are in dollars, to be honest. Anyway, but um, so the reason we do that is because you know if you're five hundred thousand pounds dollars a year, um, you don't have the data really to tell you too much about that. A five million, you do. You you have a yeah. lot more data to kind of go. And you know, I think the fundamental change is when you get to five million is the you know like. You know, like a lot of the, we do the anxiety analysis or we do the the market square test, for example. Now, when we're doing five five hundred k a year, the market square test is kind of done as a, as a whole business. So we're we're going into the market square and say, oh right, we're selling um, menswear, right? What are what who else is selling menswear in 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 the market square? How can we compete with them? What we're we doing, right? And then when we get to five million. We then almost think that we've got separate market square tests. So like we've got shirts, we've got jackets, we've got trousers, we've got polo shirts. And for each one of those categories, we actually now think about the business as a sep almost not a separate unit in terms of like if we were just selling polo shirts and going out to the market with polo shirts and we went and did the market square test and the anxiety analysis at that level, then how do we, how do we look? And so a lot of the, um, the team structure in these bigger companies is moving people from maybe like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, like the e-commerce manager to kind of having a category manager. So it's almost like in, 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 in software or, you know, where you have a product manager. So you'd have a, a category champion. For well, it happens, in, it happens in the retail yeah. world, obviously for hundreds of years, they have mm. these these category champions, don't they? Where the, you know, the, there's yeah. a buyer who's responsible for the, you know, the, the car shampoo category, you know, yeah. and, and they're, yeah. they're responsible for the merchandising, the promos, the, you know, all the shop display, yeah. everything. And that's what the bigger 5 million turnover businesses online need to do. Yeah. But they can't so they just look at a broad the, brush. And especially if you want to grow that category. I mean, look, look at yeah. the, 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 the home decor example you talk about, where you say that the average order value was too low. You know, they wanted to sell more stools, I think it was, and lighting. Yeah. So, you know, put in like a lighting champion uh, and then they say, go and sell some lighting. And yeah. as soon as they, and, you do that, then they're focused on actually going, well, yeah. I'm not going to sell. If I've got a category with one chandelier in it, I'm not going to compete no. in the category. I'm going to have to have this type of chandelier and this type of chandelier so I can go out to the keyword chandelier. And I think and actually it's, it's very useful, you know, I was talking about before by looking at the lifetime customer value by first product bought mm. and then spending more money on the products that give better lifetime customer value. But actually, I, th I find it's much better to do it by category level. So yeah. that you, because it's easy to get your head around because you, you also you have loads of nuances on you'll have one product that will be doing really well. But if you look at it from a, a category by category level, it allow, allows you to see which categories you need to be dominating and 
which one do you need yeah, to go and get? Yeah, it shows you which one you can expand, doesn't it? It you does, say, well, it does. you know, the lighting category, if people buy lighting, they tend to come back and buy three times, whereas if they buy some, you know, uh, tableware, like knives and forks, they're only going to come back once yeah. so well, it's not, you go you well show, you, and we're not yeah. saying take these products off your side we're, but we're saying no. use these products as recruitment products and use these products yeah. as retention you know to get the lasting customer buy up we don't recruit on them yeah. because you're just going to get lost yeah. you know it's, and it's too competitive the margins aren't good enough because obviously the fundamental difference is on the first purchase predominantly it's 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 paid or, you know, that first purchase has come from some paid marketing at some point along yeah. the journey. So, you, you know, if you cost for acquisition, you've got to pay for the Google costs. Whereas, of course, mm. the second purchase, it's, you know, you don't have the same advertising costs because it's mm. come through email or direct. So well, that's something I would say there is another thing to look at, which we've been looking at in these big clients, is looking at, in Google Analytics, the uh, popular paths to sale. And so yeah. we've got... Um, well, we've got access to a lot of people doing, you know, uh, $17 million plus kind of, kind of level. And if you look at the people doing 5 million and compare their paths to them, a lot of the time you'll see that they're having to pay uh, Google or Facebook for, to, be, to bring their existing customers back to the site. Yeah. And so what you want to be seeing there is email particularly and some of your other organic channels picking up the slack so that they're not having, you're not having to pay over and over again to get your only customers back to the site. Because, um, in fact, two, Which is really two clients we looked at recently have been completely like the top 10 paths, like when you've got two more than one touch point, so two touch points at least, has been devoid of email. And, and like I've not seen any company doing more than $10 million dollars that hasn't had significant presence of email in those top paths. And so that can yeah. be a real um, impediment to growth because you know, you're having to repay to get that customer back yeah. for the second purchase yeah. rather than using email. Well, what, you're trying so, to, what you're trying to do really is to, is to get more out of the same spend. And that's, that's kind of the first fundamental thing. The quickest thing is how can we get more revenue out of the same advertising budget and if you're not using email to help i mean email for a customer acquisition because obviously you've got three types of email you've got the recruitment you've got retention you've got reactivation and for the recruitment side of it where you're using email to help turbocharge the paid activity and that's when yeah. it becomes really powerful so that's why we mark and i talk about getting the email so so quickly in the in the start of the funnel because yeah. the sooner, sooner you get the email, the more automated behavioral email you can use to, to keep communicating with the customer during the buying window, which helps turbocharge all the paid activity. So it's an absolute no-brainer. Basically, yeah. even free. if even if you think, oh, my email, my business isn't an email business. Let's say you're selling wedding dresses, right? And you think, well, I'm not yeah. going to sell many on email because who's going to buy a second wedding dress? But actually, the behavioral emails during the sale, that the kind of like the 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 thinking about the sale and the pre-sale and the welcome series, email is actually a massive oh, thing that should be there because the especially like, so yeah, the buying window is so big. And, you know, the only time that emails is not as important when the, when the buying window is super short and you have no repeat business. So, yeah. you know, like something you can only buy once and you need that day when you get it, like 
a locksmith, for example. Like a locksmith yeah. is something you need when you need a locksmith. And then if you email me that later, I'm not going to need it. So you can see that those businesses are very difficult to scale with email because like who needs a locksmith? Yeah. And it's just done. Um, but most businesses aren't like that. No, no. So you, so just going back to this, this story of, you know, scaling from five to 10, like the first thing we said there is we try and immediately get more revenue out of the same marketing spend. And the fastest thing yeah. to do with the marketing spend is to move that marketing spend around. So, so obviously yeah. we know that if we reduce the marketing spend, we're not going to grow. Okay, that, we know that's a fact. But what we can do is move the same budget around into areas yeah. that, 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 I mean, really give a better life and customer value. You know, that's where, that's yeah, where gonna, we want to be. Gonna build, gonna so build once you've done that, then it's, it comes down to the, the you know, business as usual stuff, which is really looking at comparing the stats of the sites against what the benchmarks would be. So same yeah. thing, add to basket, what's the add to basket percentages? Well, we know the add to basket percentages should be on average between 7 and 11%, something depending on your average order value. But, you know, the average we say is 10, about 10%. So you say, look, at where's the add to basket stat? What's the basket to checkout stat? And what's the checkout to order stat? So basket to checkout, normally about 55 and checkout to order about 85. So straight away you look at you look at that, and then so you see well where where, where do ours compare against that? And the two businesses that we're working with at the moment both have a basket to checkout stat that's lower than they should yeah. be. They all have that problem. So their basket to checkout stat is about twenty eight percent, and so we really mm. want it to be about fifty. So then you've got to doubt. So so you then know you know where you are within the journey mm. so and then obviously the development where at roadmap becomes focused on that kpi so you also want to like say you've got your main categories you want to you know optimize you want to kind of understand what the add to basket is across that category so if it's a high average order value obviously it's going to have a lower add to basket yeah but we've got you know we've got models for each one of you know each kind of average order value to give you an idea of, of what it should be but the most important thing is just to measure it and improve it you know that, that's the first thing is across a category. So if you're doing yeah. changes on a category, you know, and your add to basket rate is, you know, your, your, your average order value is about $100 for that category and your add to basket rate is only 3%. And you know there's room to grow. Um, but you, you, because you're not been segmenting it down, you, you, you haven't really looked at that. You might have one category that's massive add to basket because it's very low average order value compared to the other one. Like uh, there's a company we're working with in Australia who sell wool stuff. Like they sell, um, you know, anything to made with wool, like slippers and rugs and all that kind of stuff. And now they just added beds. Now, if they look at their add to the basket state as a whole, like, you know, it probably should be around 8%, 8%, 10%, something like that for the, for the blankets and things like that. But then they're adding beds, which are, you know, $3,000, $5,000 purchase. They're not going to get it. They're not yeah. going to get a 10% add to the basket rate for those. So, you know, as you get bigger, you need to start segmenting your add to basket rates into kind of uh, uh, areas so you can monitor it and work out what it is. Because just looking at it across the site isn't going to give you the information yeah. you need. And then as it's we talked about earlier, doing the anxiety analysis yeah. is once you've got the anxieties for that cal uh, category, implementing those anxiety things as different from the rest of the site because you know different anxieties are going to come from different 
buying different yeah. types of products. But what's interesting... It's going to bring the, those KPIs up. I think what's really interesting here, though, is that, that when you get bigger, it's the same stuff that you were doing as you're, you know, yeah. if you're doing a million or five, you know, a million to five, it's the same stuff. It, but, you know, this, this, it's the same thing. Even if you're doing 25, 30, 50 million, it's the same fundamental principle, but you're just doing it more specifically around key categories. Yeah. And you do as, as the data category. grows, it allows yeah. you to segment, doesn't it's, it? It's the same. It's the same stuff. I mean, it's the same thing with like average order value. So, you know, if you're starting off, you know, you're doing a couple of million online, you know, you might do a broad brush approach to your average order value. You might say, right, how can we get the average order value up? Well, we can either we can we can either do it by um, getting the, them to increase the number of items per order or pushing more expensive products. So, well, how can we do those? And you go through the site generally and you say, well, let's do a sushi page here. Let's do a post purchase upsell, et cetera, et cetera. But in, but in the case of doing, you know, significant numbers, you just do that per category. You know, you have mm. your five salespeople, you know, which yeah. is your greeter and your ads basket and your, your basket to check out, your average order value ones, you know, and you just do that for each specific category. Yeah. Generally, isn't it? It's just focusing in. Yeah. And, and the most important thing to do when you get to that level is to have a dedicated split testing team. And I would encourage people to have the split testing team in-house rather than outside the company, because the ability to split test quickly and, and to be influenced by the people who have control over it is very, very important. So there's a tendency to go, oh, I'll just go and get a split testing company to come and do it. But if you can bring that in-house at that level, it's so much better because you can be so much more nimble and you can kind of, you know, react a lot faster. So yeah. the, gone are the days when you were doing 500K a year and now you're doing 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, is every little change that you bring onto the site needs to be split tested because you have the data and it's, to be honest, it's just lazy not to split test because, you know, you know, Ian and I tell, tell people to do things and do things based on our split tests, but often, you know, we're split testing them all the time on sites. Mm. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. You know, it's not always the case. Yeah. And, and I think you know, even, if, even if it's like a no-brainer, you yeah. know, you think, oh, well, and even if you think, well, I know this is a no-brainer and, you know, it's so obvious to do it. But what's interesting, if you don't split test it, you don't know how much of a no-brainer it is. And you might go, holy crap. That had yeah. that is a game changer. What's happening there? Right, let's push that harder. Because otherwise, yeah, so you sort things, of have this yeah. this sort of notion. We're like, oh yeah, business is doing really well. Yeah, everything's really up. You don't really know specifically why. It's just a feeling, mm. you know. So it, it gives you an idea of where to push harder. And also, a lot of the time. Split testing tends to be done more in the downtime. So like you might have a busy period at Christmas or, you know, in the mid-season sale or something like that. And then when the company's less busy, they tend to go, oh, let's do some split testing now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, so no, let's do some, let's do some improvements on the site now. So they do some improvements on the site in the downtime, but they don't split test. So they don't know whether they're actually working or not because the revenue's down because it's out of season. So yeah. by split testing, you actually find out whether they're in the right, the right area and there's two things with split testing that's important is first of all like if the test works um, and it increases the conversion rate obviously usually that hints that there's something you need to amplify more so like once you find what the thing is that's increasing the conversion rate 
there's often a lot more room to amplify that thing even more. So let's say you find that it's the, um, it's the returns policy that you were hiding away. Suddenly you put the returns policy under the add to basket button, your conversion rate goes up by 10% and you go, right, that's interesting. Right, where else can I amplify yeah. that? Can I get some more gains about that by putting on the basket page, on the checkout page, you know, maybe even on the home page. You know, if, if it, once you find something that you can amplify, you basically work out how loud you can turn it up before those gains start. Yeah. Second thing is when you when you get a failed split test on something you thought was going to work, that's almost as interesting as when you get a, a positive split, split test because it shows you a, a, a characteristic of the customer that you weren't expecting. You know. So, so let's say you put returns policy on there and it reduces the conversion rate, and you're like, well, obviously something's in there. Either our returns policy is not good enough. Or they just don't, they don't, maybe they think they'll never return it. So what, you know, what is it that, that we found out about the customer mm. from that split test? And what does that mean now? You know, now we can have a different conversation with them. And what do we need to amplify? Because essentially we're looking for what we want to amplify. Yeah. And once I, we know what we I, want to amplify, that can what? go across a whole marketing. I know. And I think actually the, the biggest gains really around conversion improvement are when you really understand what the pain points are and and what the job to be done is, and you amplify those. Yeah. That, that's really where the biggest gains come from. And the framing as well. The framing is important. So as they land on yeah. the category or something, it's the framing of that category so they see it through the frame. Well, that's the same. And that's that kind of like job, that's the job to be done and, and the pain points, isn't it, really? Yeah, the framing it's kind of like the job to be it. done but it's like, it's slightly, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, take, um, take the supplement company that we work with that's done really well. You know, like they, their frame at the beginning was the most popular supplements in America now available in the UK, right? So the frame of that suddenly made people look at those supplements in a different light. Now, a lot of the supplements they were selling were already available in the UK, but because they said that, it frames the whole category with that kind of pre-framing that means people kind of stick around for it a little bit more. So like if you're bringing a category of lighting in it, it's like, well, what's the framing? And you might try framing with split testing that customers just don't care about. It's like the best lights from Scandinavia. And it's like, well, that doesn't, that didn't hit home. But if you can try the framing, you know, you'll find the angle and then you'll work yeah. out what the customers want because yeah. that's, it's, it's like everything otherwise, you're just plonking pictures on a page, aren't you? You're just products on a page. Without the framing, we don't have anything to understand. Yeah. You know, it's just like I'm... one of our big customers uses an influencer, like a famous influencer. That's the framing. It's like this famous person likes this product. Yeah. And that, that frames the whole thing. We often say that to clients, go and get a celebrity. You know, go and get someone to, you know, to be an endorsement. And that one particular client did it. And they yeah. got, who was it? They got um, the, off Good Morning TV, the woman, the Scottish oh, one. Um, Lorraine Kelly. Lorraine yeah, Kelly. They got Lorraine they Kelly. Got Lorraine Kelly. Oh, and then there's someone else got um, uh, the Blue Peach presenter, Anthea Turner. Yeah, but I think they already had her. I they already so. had, had so. Anthea Turner. Anthea Turner. Much, but, yeah. but no, it's, yeah, but, you know, how do you, how do you understand what, how to frame it? But, you know, and you, you go into the reviews and you look at the negative reviews and you look at, you do the anxiety work. And if anyone doesn't know what our anxiety work is, it's 
it's basically where we go and look at the competitor reviews and we look at the, your own reviews and we categorise them into what people love and what mm. people hate. And that's the job to be and done. And we also and do the custom, customer interviews as well. Yeah, that's, customer yeah. interviews are important. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes with the framing, like, it's difficult. It's difficult to get that from the interviews because the customers don't know. I mean, if you interviewed Sarah's customers, none of them, it, she wasn't, didn't have, like, she didn't have, um, what's the name, the Blue Peter presenter. None of them would say, oh, I'd have bought this if uh, if I'd have been told to buy it by um, Andy well, Turner, you know. No, like, but it's, it's adding it's, trust, isn't it? It's adding credibility. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. there's somebody I recognise. And it adds yeah. a little bit of credibility. But, so, but I, I think it's also, I mean, it very much going to, you know, going past the five million mark, it is the same stuff, but it's just in more detail. And I know in one in one particular case, the business that we're working with at the moment, they, they are selling other people's products. So yeah. you know, it's not their own brand. And they again fell into the trap of of thinking that it was about the product. Whereas mm. the question is why buy from them? And that's what we did, yeah. needed to shift. So that, you know, you've got to be able to answer the question, why buy from you? Because they can buy this product from anywhere. You know, online. Yeah. You, know, you, you, know, you are a commodity. You've got to stand out. Yeah, you've you got do. To, so, you've got to stand out in these categories. You know, you know, that, because yeah. you're, 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 you're essentially coming up against, you know, you're in mass market stuff, aren't you? There, you know, and you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to have a message and you've got to have a positioning that kind of stands that category yeah. out that makes sense. Um, and yeah. I think, like, talking about celebrity endorsement, I think a lot of people are afraid of it because they just think it's going to be too expensive. But that's actually, it's just because in your mind you think, oh, that person's, like, so famous, blah, blah, blah. But it, this is what they do. That's how they make their living. And they're yeah, doing many of them across. But just look at how much money you spend on Google, you know, but it, because it's yeah. a cost of sale. Yeah. You kind of think, oh, yeah, yeah I've spent 20,000, 25,000 pounds a month on Google. And it's like, it's fine, but <laughs> it's probably a bloody celebrity wouldn't cost that much more than that. No, and it, it can actually have a it can actually have a really, really big boost. So you know, like if you want to get to the next level, you know, you could look at things like that. And, and there's a, there's quite a few clients in Australia that have got famous people working with them, and it just it's just that greeter. I mean, imagine yeah. if you had a physical store, and um, President Obama was greeting people at the door, you'd be like, it'd be so different, wouldn't it? You know, if you had yeah. that that person. Whereas online, you can do something like that because. The, the, the famous person doesn't have to stand there, doesn't have to do it. You just put a picture of them and it's yeah. like similar, similar also kind you've of got their you've got their whole Instagram piece as well. You know, you, so the, you know, often yeah. the, you know, the, the, the greeter actually often works before you've even got to the site. In a lot of cases, yeah. the sales, a lot of the sales are already made before they've even got there. If yeah. you get it right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, just to summarise, the, the you know just just because I was saying you know at this point we've said well we've got the trap we've got the can we get more out of the existing advertising spend we said well let's move the advertising spend around then we've talked about the you know the conversion rate and and how it's the same again with average order value but I often also find then that the lifetime customer value is probably the bigger game changer as well so when you've got a business that's doing five million. You know, it, because you've got if you if you can get them to buy again, obviously you it allows you to be more aggressive with your your return on ad spend, so you can mm. continue 
because you're not going to double conversion rate. Let's put it, let's put it bluntly. You're not going to double conversion rate. You're not going to double average order value. And but you know you yeah. might you, you get twenty five percent from one, twenty five percent from another. But you often, I, I often find lifetime customer value current customers are just ignored, other than the fact that they're being spammed and bombed with email. Mm. You know, so mm. it's a, it's about understanding well what's the but what's it, the retention. It, it's of. also it it is also going, you know, like a lot of the time, you know, you 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 you're at a certain level that like you're doing five million dollars, and and then you know, but you you look at the business and there are usually gaps in some of the fundamentals that yeah. haven't been done just because like it's a business that's just grown and you've run with it. And then you suddenly go, well, are you doing behavioral emails? They go, no, you know, yeah. are you doing this? Are you doing split this? No, there's just like things. It's like the gap. Look at the gap. Yeah. yeah. It's like, look at the, look at the fundamental business that you're sitting on. Yeah. And, and, and shore up the foundation and then move to and the, the, I think move to the more advanced. And the best things, thing. You know? The best thing to do, I think, for any e-commerce business, no matter what size you're at, is look at the maths of the business. You know, in, if you're trying to get to 10 million, look at the maths. What do the maths need to be in order to do 10 million? And then you look at where you are now, you look at the gaps. And you think, okay, how can we realistically get from there to there? Our conversion rate's got to go from 3% to 7%. Well, that's not going to happen. So it's going to, we're going to have to get more from average order value. Yeah, average order value is 60. We've got to get to 90. Do you think we can get to 90? Yeah, we can do that. Right, life customer value's got to go from 1.5 to 3. Well, maybe not 3, but we can probably get to 2.5. And then what's the gap? The gap then is your traffic. Well, how much is it going to cost us to get that traffic? Traffic's got to go from... 60,000 a month to 180,000 a month. Well, how's that going to happen? Some of it will come from existing customers, yeah, but the rest is going to have to come from new traffic. So you, it gives you the gap. You're just looking at the gap, and it just it is black and white. It's a mathematical, yeah. rational, non-emotional, clear, very, very black and white. You know, no bullshit. Can't hide behind it. You know, grow. It, it's not going to. You're not going to grow magically. You know, wishing it's going to happen. Mm. It's, it's going to happen by understanding the maths and then working backwards. Yeah, yeah. Done. Well, thank you very much, Ian. Okay. We'll finish it there, and we'll um, we'll speak to everybody next week. Um, yeah, awesome. Thank you very much, and we'll speak to you later. Okay. Bye, Mark.